0: we'd firstly like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is being produced we pay our respects to the elders past present and emerging and we acknowledge their spiritual connection to the country welcome to the swanson explainer i'm bridget murphy and today we're taking a deep dive into the industry of live music in melbourne and how melbourne's iconic music scene is faring after a year of lockdowns and restrictions The Premiers and Chief Ministers, together with myself, have tonight agreed that there is a need to move to more widespread uh, restrictions on these gatherings in indoor spaces. Stage one would see uh, that in enclosed spaces uh, for gatherings in the following uh, facilities uh, to be closed as of midday tomorrow. Registered and licensed clubs. Licensed premises in hotels and pubs entertainment venues and cinemas, casinos, and nightclubs. Hi, I'm Bridget Murphy. That was Prime Minister Scott Morrison over a year ago announcing the initial shutdowns and closures as the pandemic hit. Since the beginning of the pandemic, the arts community has been hit hard with multiple lockdowns, restrictions and capacity limitations making it difficult for so many iconic Melbourne music venues. Now, Melbourne is in a pretty good position. With COVID being managed well after a year of restrictions and lockdowns, it appears that possibly Melbourne is the live music capital of the world. So how are venues faring now? What's changed and what needs to change moving forward? I'm joined by reporter Angus McPherson. Angus, you spoke to some of Melbourne's iconic music venues. How are they going? What was the impact during those key stages of the pandemic like?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, they're, they're doing a lot better now, now that um, capacity restrictions are slowly easing. Mm-hmm. But when the pandemic hit, it was one of the hardest hit industries of them all. It revolves around people visiting the venues and being physically present. And, um, you know, when, when they can't go there anymore, then the revenue just completely ceases to come in. Yeah. And then sort of during that sort of short period in June, July, when the lockdowns eased for a couple of weeks, Venues were booking sort of multiple acts um, to come in. So they were getting excited, paying for alcohol, setting up the the venue, you know, booking security staff to work in and it all had to be cancelled. And then sort of adding on top of that, rent doesn't just go away. So venue owners still had to pay rent when there was no money coming in. And yeah, it was for sure not easy. Here's what Jack from the Workers Club had to say.
2: Right before we opened up, all the staff and myself, the owners, the venue manager, we all went in, we gave the whole place a spruce up, you know, new paint everywhere, um, fixing all the tables, fixing the beer garden, you know, it was really good, it was a really nice day, actually, and that sucked not to be able to utilise that.
0: I think it's really heartbreaking to have that moment of excitement when we're about to go back and then have it completely destroyed. I think, in a sense, a lot of people were in denial in that stage. Were venues like that as well? Were they confused and, I guess, treating these lockdowns almost like, oh, it'll be over soon, just treat it like a holiday?
1: Yeah, they they more or less reacted in the same way that everyone in Melbourne reacted. You know, there was... People didn't really know how long the lockdowns were going to last for. But in in the music and arts industry, people couldn't really just go home and, you know, work from home on Zoom calls like the rest of people did. So you know, where others could adapt to the pandemic, these guys really had nothing to do. So I spoke to Jack, the band booker at the workers' club, and he said he went from, you know, working every day, nine to five, booking bands in to really spending all his time sort of reading and video games. It just turns into a hobby life. And Jack also said, even more recently, the uncertainty surrounding the length of lockdowns and with specific restriction requirements he found the government to be a little bit um, sneaky with their with their mm, messaging. So mm. when when they announced that the MCG would go to seventy five percent capacity, he said most himself and most of the people he knew thought that that would be including them as well mm. at um you know nightclubs for live performances, and it actually wasn't. So they're still stuck at around thirty percent capacity.
0: Did like system in place that the government introduced, such as JobKeeper, help venue owners at all?
1: I mean, venue owners, no, not, not at all. So as wow. I said before, um, they still had to pay rent. They still had to, you know, cover the costs, insurance costs, things that they had already spent money on yeah. for, for booking, um, you know, events. But they were not supported with JobKeeper anything like that. The workers were, but yeah, that, that's where venue owners really got hit hard by the pandemic.
0: Going back to what you said about capacity limits and how it's kind of a little bit hypocritical with the footy having a 75% capacity and so many people there compared to smaller venues. What are your thoughts on the Save Our Scene ini- initiative? Did you chat about it with any of the venues that you spoke to?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I chatted with Jack who I mentioned earlier and also Cam who is a, a part owner of Nevermind Bar and the Leadbeater Hotel. And they, they both were um, pretty vocal about the Save Our Scene initiative. So according to the Save Our Scene initiative open letter, it's, it's the inconsistent rules that are killing Victoria's live music venues and clubs, which are the critical infrastructure of Melbourne's music industry. So they're asking the Victorian government to follow South Australian government's leadership and increase the density quotient for non seated venues to three people per four square meters. So Jack from the Worker's Club and Cam from Nevermind Bar they both said that they just want a fair go. There doesn't seem to be any answers as to why they're still restricted so much, where, where outdoor venues and places like you know, the MCG and, and Rod Laver Arena for the Australian Open are able to have so many people.
0: Definitely. It does seem kind of hypocritical and almost unfair. So many different industries were affected during COVID, but the entertainment industry is already such a tough game to play. Angus, how has this affected people individually in the industry?
1: Yeah, so as I said before, in-house staff had no sort of alternative than to either find a completely different job or to spend all their time focusing on hobbies while, while restricted at home. So Jack from the Workers' Club, who... He, he said he's been working in the music industry, doing band booking for more than 10 years. So he's super, super experienced. And he even considers himself very lucky to, to still be able to work in this industry. And he says sort of, right now, if you still have a job, it's pretty much solely down to luck. Wow. Yeah. And um, so because of capacity restrictions, some venues have even decided to just forget about live music for, for this point in time altogether, because the amount of money that they're bringing in, is just not enough to cover the costs of security, lighting, sound stuff.
0: That's crazy to have to think that such iconic venues that were always pumping out music now don't really have any choice yeah. other than to just, you know, do the bare minimum and get by.
2: The, the restrictive um, capacity limits, which is the two, two person or one person per two square metres. It's, it's just, it just leaves it at a stage for us where it's not viable to, to have live acts on.
0: Do you think that things have changed in the music scene in Melbourne? Like, is it positive or negative? Like, what's shifted?
1: Yeah, so, um, well, Jack from the Workers' Club, he actually had a really interesting outlook on this. He said, "With with all the negatives of last year's lockdowns, there've been heaps of good things coming out more recently, which which he hopes will, will stick around as the world goes back to normal. So definitely, um, bands have been you know more willing to make their ticket prices a bit higher. So where where they might have used to be five dollars, they're now sort of up at around fifteen twenty dollars, and um, th- this sort of enables the artists to be to be paid their worth.
0: Definitely, yeah, and,
1: yeah." Jack said that this this will hopefully result in in better albums, better production, better mixing, and um, even even more effort being put into live performances.
2: I believe from COVID there has been some incredibly positive changes. From what I've seen um, at the like at the Workers Club and as a punter, has been um, ticket prices have increased. So you've got bands who were once charging five dollars on the door because they were worried that no one was going to come to their show and maybe they got a hundred people that's still only 500 bucks in their pocket now those bands who are charging five bucks they're like you know what everyone else is charging 15 dollars for their pre-sales and they're charging 20 dollars on the door and people are willing to pay those so suddenly you got these bands these these young bands actually being able to make money off their art and like what what could be more positive than that
0: Totally. I think it's a great thing that artists are now being paid their worth and, you know, people are now so happy to be back out on the scene that they're willing to pay that extra 10 bucks or so just yeah. to have that incredible experience.
1: Yeah. And also, as well as artists, for, for the consumers and the audience, people have been more willing to just go out after the yeah. pandemic's finished. So even on weeknights, which, you know, Venues might be expecting a lot less people. They, they put on the younger, less popular bands.
0: Yeah, more typical quiet nights.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. People are, are much more consistently just go, just going out, go, going awesome. out to, to see live music, which is really, really good to see.
0: Yeah, I think everyone's finally realising how lucky we are to be able to get back out yeah. there. It's pretty incredible that right now Melbourne is one of the only places in the world with live gigs happening and still having such a scene. What do you think about that? Like, what's the magic in the Melbourne art and music scene?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's pretty evident. that The Melbourne music scene, it, it, it is one of a kind. I Definitely. The, the magic of it, it revolves around just how accessible everything is in Melbourne, so... For sure. If you want to go out to see some live music on really any night of the week, you, you're going to find somewhere, and chances are it's going to be pretty good. So it, it's, pre- it's places like... Chapel Street, Brunswick Street, Fitzroy Street, for example, where you can go out with your friends and have absolutely no plans whatsoever for the night but end up still having the best time. Yeah. And I think we, we, we all hope that th- this can really just set a precedent for the future of the music and arts industry in Melbourne, sort of cementing it as one of the live music capitals of the world.
0: Definitely, that would be awesome to see.
2: Keep going to shows, pay for your ticket. Don't ask for a door spot, buy some drinks, (laughs) keep the pub going. And I I think that's just the most important thing that we can do going forward.
0: Thanks so much for chatting with us, Angus, and bringing us that awesome story.
1: Thank you, Bridget. It was was great to have a chat.
0: This has been Angus McPherson and Bridget Murphy for The Swanson Explainer.